And now I want to make it more practical because we are going to dig into your books. Just offer another shortcut for those audience who wants to know humor, which is really your books. So now, yeah, please tell us about the books. You wrote the two books. They are all on the best centers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For the, the first book is The Book of Failures. It's a funny memoir of missteps, inadequacies, and faux pas. And when I wrote it, you know, it was really a means to the end. Like you mentioned, Grace, it's like this Hollywood attorney is like, you have to write a book or you have to do a, a blog. I get a lot of press for it. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the book and it's 300 pages of my own funny moments, like worst first dates. And, um, you know, I want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> worst first date, worst first, or, or just, um, Okay, I'll share one. Like when I was single, I was driving in Atlanta. Um, the super hot guy like pulled up next to me and he was like trying to get my attention. I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> hello. And uh, he messed me and he was like kind of like flashing his lights. And I was like, wow, he's aggressive. Oh, right. He's aggressive. And so we ended up stopping at the stop sign. And, and in my mind, like he was so handsome. Like he had this great suit on and like a polka dot tie. And I was like, oh, he's like smart and successful, but yet whimsical. You know what I mean? like he's got a sense of humor because he had like this kind of whimsical tie on and I'm a typical woman. So I was already like, oh gosh, we're going to get married. And where, where were, you know, where's our um, summer home going to be? And I wonder what his parents are like, and what should we name our children? You know, that's how women are like, even in a one minute, one minute time period, I'm like, oh, I can see us together. I wonder if our bridesmaids dresses will be blue, you know, like in, in a second, creating a life with this person that I haven't even met. So we stop at the stop sign and he's like, roll down your window. And I was like, roll down the window. And he's like, hey, your belt from your jackets dragging on the highway. On the highway. And I, and so by the time I opened the door and got it, you know, it's like, he was already gone. Like it, 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 I just had this whole fantasy about someone that was a nice person, you know, telling me to, you know, get my belt in or whatever. But um, yeah, a lot of stuff like that happens to me. So anyway, so I wrote the first book and then I was doing a lot of press for it. And then also on social media, every Friday, I put a Friday fail and I would not put something from the book. I would just put something from my own life of what something that had happened in my own life. And then people would comment. They're like, oh, if you think you had a weird week, they would tell me what happened to them. And their story would be so funny. I started asking like, can I have that story? Like, can I use your name? Can I change the story a little bit or whatever? I got so many of them that I ended up writing a second book called We're All a Mess it's okay. And so that's a collection of funny essays and one-liners about the struggles of everyday life. And some of my own stories are in there, but really it's a collection from friends and family and even strangers. And it's just like funny, like crazy mother-in-law stories a lot of, you know, like I was almost killed on a vacation, but then I wasn't, or, you know, I thought I was going to be murdered on this first date, but then I wasn't, or just, you know, funny. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think I'm scrolling through here. Just hilarious stories, just about everyday life, everyday family and stuff like that. So anyway, and at first I was like, I'm just in my mind, it was, I'm going to be honest. It was very selfish. I was just like, I'm just going to write this book and I'm going to get this press and I'm going to be able to get my movie made in Hollywood. That was the point. 
And then I'll give you an example. Like this guy wrote me from Boston, Grace, and he he's like, I'm writing you because my wife has MS and she's so severe that she has to live in a facility because she's in a wheelchair and um, needs a lot of assistance. And he's like, but every day I visit her after work and I, I like to read her favorite genre is humor. And so we've read both of your books. When are you going to write another book? You've brought us such joy. And then he mentioned some chapters in there. And then he sent me a picture of her. We're all a mess. It's okay. T-shirt, by the way, the money goes to charity and holding my books. That was life-changing for me. Or like a mom reaching out to me saying, gosh, I just thought I was the only one that felt overwhelmed by working and having a family and parents and all this stuff. I just feel overwhelmed all the time. And your book makes me feel less alone. That is like, what? Wait a minute. This is like actually helping people. And that just gave me so much joy. And I think that impacted how I wrote the second book for sure. Keeping that in mind, it's just like, I don't know, that changes your life. It really does. It, I am so grateful for anyone that reads the book and writes a review and just says, thank you for doing this. It made me feel better about, you know, I fell down in front of public. Anyway, that made me, I don't have a lot of moments where I'm like, oh, that made me proud. I was, I was proud that it helped somebody. If it helps somebody have a better day and made them feel better or made them escape whatever situation they were doing so they could just laugh for a few minutes, that made me feel really good about the books. Okay. And then they've done, you know, really well. They've both been number one bestsellers on Amazon, like above. I mean, it's a very hard category. It's like Trevor Noah and Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. So to be number one ahead of those people is like, what? And then um, we're all SOK got picked for a top 10 humor reads uh, for good reads, which is exciting. And then recently a gentleman reached out to me from truehumor.com and said, Hey, we'd like you to be our featured writer for September. Can you please send us three excerpts? And I was like, what? So that's really exciting to have somebody appreciate your work. Even if it's not a New York times bestseller and you have a million. Yes. That would be great. But but to have someone, you know, reach out to you and say, oh my gosh, I think they're really funny and get what you're doing. You know what I mean? That's really, that's exciting. To me, it means like, okay, I am on the right path with this. This is the right thing that I'm doing because it is impacting people in a positive way. And you also find that consistent drive. I think it is absolutely justified to pursue them. Success or money or fame, that will come actually along the way. But we're talking about this online drive inside you on the list. So helping people, it sounds like cliche, but that was always become consistent drive. Keep you doing what you're doing. Comments like that from your readers are also a form of the, you know, external validations, which also serves as a major source of the drives. So, and yeah, it's such a positive dynamic between creators and the audience, right? Right. Right. Read somebody's book or you go to a restaurant and you have an amazing meal. I know it seems like it doesn't matter. It might feel like, oh, it doesn't matter. They already have reviews or whatever. But to just take a minute to tell someone, I really enjoyed your work. Or, you know, if you're in a restaurant or you're, or as an artist or it's a musician or a comedian to be like, oh my gosh, I really related to this. A lot of times when you read books, I read a lot of independent books on Amazon or whatever. It means so much 
much to them. If you just reach out and be like, I really enjoyed this book so much. And you tell them why a lot of times they'll reach back out to you. It's like, um, that's really important. I don't think we do that reach out enough. I, I don't think that if you have time and you know, you have a great meal someplace, or you listen to someone's podcast and you love it, or you read someone's book and you love it, take the minute to reach out to them mm-hmm. on their website or that was my dog. Uh, no, <laughs> there is a tail. You reach out to them because sometimes that's all it takes. Like someone's having a really bad day and they're like, oh my gosh, this isn't moving forward. I'm not making the money I want to make. My mm-hmm. supply is still not made, or maybe it's an artist and they're like, oh, I still haven't gotten picked up. But just to have one person reach out to them and be like, I really enjoyed that. I really love that. You're like, wait a minute. I am meant to do this just because mm-hmm. millions of people don't know that you're doing it doesn't mean you're not meant to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's just so true. Before you get to the universe response, um, you need like even just one single person's response. Yes. Right. <laughs> you just need one person besides your mom yeah. to be like, that's yeah. good. Yeah, really <laughs> on this journey, the magic of the words did happen to me. The words impact people. Yeah. yeah. You know, like instantly, uh, you know, someone's words can completely shift your mindset or totally uplifted you from that very low moments, you know. Yeah, for that moment. But because of that moment, you get it to keep up. Without the moment, who knows where you may end up. So, yeah, yeah. if you encounter something, someone, you want yeah, just be more generous to express your appreciation, right? You know? Right. Yeah. Imagine the world. Imagine how the world would be. It could be anything. I mean, it could even be, I think about how ungrateful I was as a child, like my Mm -hmm. parents making dinner or whatever. I was never like, thanks. Even that, like imagine if your kids were more appreciative or, you know, everyone wants to be appreciated. So that's great. I think you will never know who you impact on, right? Uh, Sometimes we underestimate our influence, our impacts, feel like what I say doesn't matter to anyone else, but it probably does because we're being uplifted by someone else's words. So I think yeah. we should more trust this kind of the support each other, yeah, connection, particularly given what we've been through in the last two years. I think sure. the reach out to person, take that initiative and build this connection. This is just making it so meaningful. So yeah. So now I can wait to ask the question about still stick to your book. You told me that you dedicate the three chapters to like your traveling <laughs> in China. I know the book's name is Fania, but the, the trip to the China is a big success, right? <laughs> you had a yes, it was a huge success. I would highly recommend going to China. It was yeah, so China. <laughs> fun. My girlfriend and her husband were living in China as expats and for Procter & Gamble and she invited me over. I was able to be over there for 18 days. I think it was the best way to see China because she could speak the language. Her children spoke Mandarin. Like they were not allowed to rent a car. Their company said you have to have a driver. So they had a driver that, you know, knew the area and everything. We just had a wonderful time visiting palaces that were centuries old, beautiful antique stores with, I mean, it was just in the food. I love Asian food. I love Chinese food. And so being able to experience different food and just, you know, the beauty I was sharing with you, I was in Beijing a lot, which is very deserty, hot, not green. And then we got to go um, to the Terracotta Warriors, a different part of China, very green, very lush, lots of 
of farms, beautiful. So it's um, such a big area to cover that um, I'd love to go back. But yeah, I love it. It was a great experience. And we, of course, we did um, different parts of the Great Wall. And it was very, very clear that day. So you could just see there were lots of photographers taking pictures that day. It was just magnificent. Really, really beautiful. Really fun. Thank you. <laughs> it just brought us so much closer. Because I feel, again, as I said, that that reflects who you are as a person, truly being so opened up, you know, to all the different culture. Yeah, so open-minded. You are truly embrace all the inclusiveness and also the diversity. Then joy cannot be fake. Yeah, you really like Chinese food and you just fit yourself into that exotic environment so well. So In the history. I mean, we don't have that. We're 200 years old over here. So just that history of things that had happened, you know, thousands of years ago and being yes. able to preserve some of that. It was really, really interesting. And all the symbolism, like on the palaces, like the different animals, those mean different things and like the status of the person. And it was just it's a whole different way of, of life. And these great empires were built. And, um, you know, like you see around the world, a lot of walls, city walls, just like if you go to Rome, you know, there's different, that's how the communities protected themselves, right? There were walls, giant walls. So we went to several different cities and we were able to ride, it might be five miles around. We were able to ride our bikes all around the wall and get beautiful views of different cities. And yeah. it was like being on a different planet for me because language and the food and everything, it was just so interesting. And I don't know, if you get the chance, you should visit China. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you should go to China. Thanks for the uh, promotions for the Chinese traveling agent. (laughs) Yeah, I was living in a foreign country. I may speak different language now, but part of me, I mean, not part of me, all of me, Chinese. So when you share something like that with me, I know like, you know, she's truly opened up to our culture. That level of the connection transcends all the difference on so many levels and that become personal emotional connections and very genuine and authentic. Yeah, I feel proud of my culture, I also feel grateful for someone who truly appreciated my culture. So that's what we need, right? It's about all the difference, but we need to find a way to connect together. No, yeah, we needed to appreciate each other more. Because, yeah, because, uh, I think I'm attracted to that because I grew up in a very small town and it was, everybody was the same, just white people. We just weren't exposed to any other culture. I didn't grow up in a family that was interested in traveling. And so I think that's something I'm very, very interested in is experiencing other cultures. And I feel so lucky that like our kids are interested in that. So all four of our kids have done either mission trips or travel with friends or travel with us to different countries. It's really good for them to see, because we you know we kind of live in a bubble. We live in a suburb outside of Atlanta mm-hmm. and um, to go, you know, they've been to Costa Rica or Honduras or my youngest daughter traveled to Africa for like 20 days to Uganda. So it's, um, you know, if you get the opportunity to do that, it's a really amazing. Well, I would rather take a trip than have a car or to, you know what I mean? Like if I had a million dollars, I would spend it on traveling and food, not buying a bunch of stuff. So (laughs) you already answered my next question. (laughs) I'm really curious about it because sometimes I feel I'm in this position where I have a little bit access, you know, to the diverse group of the people. Also, my guests, when they share the story, I'm always interested in why they become so opened up to the world. It's got to be a trigger or, you know, there's going to be some kind of the background behind 
Nande and Lexi Miki because、uh, she was traveling around the world growing up, those mixed cultural background. And、um, wow, yeah,、nice. she know there was the, all the different ways to live, to think.、Uh, myself, probably was very heavily influenced by cultural transmissions, and、uh, you also impact your children. You can say the impact on next generations. You encourage your children to go outside, you know, to travel more, to open up. Yeah, so there was different culture, and you know what? By the end of the day, you are the biggest you know, recipient. You benefit the most from it because when you open up to the world, you actually got more joys. You see the different cultures, the lifestyle there. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like influenced by the Western culture, the Men one, and also interested in the Japanese one. It actually just I got much more joy. I got more option. Even when I watch like TVs, I can watch the one in English, Mandarin, and Japanese. You know, that's、oh、my god. That was just increased the chance, the odds of like getting love <laughs> because I got <laughs> the jokes, right? I got connected to that. Um, that's why I did ask the question. Why? Why you are so open, right? Because we want everyone to be more like that. And also a little bit extend about the connections. I think you already probably covered quite a lot, but I still wanted to say, do you have any more you want adding about like your insights of building this connection or like support network? Yeah, because I know you are such a great friend. Everyone who have you as a friend is so lucky. Not I don't know about that, but. <laughs> Yeah. I do think, and and you've found this too, Grace. It's like when you in the comedy world, there there used to be not a lot of women, and so even and I'm an amateur comedian doing stuff in Atlanta. You know, once a month or you know different clubs in Atlanta.、Um, you know, I'm so lucky because I'm like friends with the club owner, and I, so I can get in if I want to do stand up. And you know, we're part of this group that graduated from this class, so all of us are clean, our comedy is clean. But anyway, but there's more and more women getting into it. We have each other. And we really support each other. And then I found it's the same thing in the authors community. Like on Twitter, there is an immense authors community and a lot of indie authors. And we repost each other's stuff. We read each other's work and we give reviews and we just give words of encouragement. And then it's the same on in the burbs. In the burbs with Amy and Gina, the podcast is we reach out to people. It's like sometimes you just have a connection, like you and I do, where it's like, oh, I really hope I get to have this person in my life from now on. It, this is a you know interesting. Bring something a unique perspective to me. Really, like you said, sometimes I'll have them on the show and I'll ask them a question. And I've never thought of it that way. Maybe they're a marriage expert, or maybe they're a a gratitude person. That's like I'm having this woman on the show that's like transforming her life by doing gratitude and just bringing perspective that I've never heard before. So it is like a constant pursuit because I'm like you. I'm very curious about the world and I want to find out people's stories. Like we're we have that in common. But it's also like sometimes you make an authentic connection where you're like, <clears throat> I want this person in my world, and then the next thing you know, they're promoting you on LinkedIn or they're introducing you to their fans on Facebook or social media or whatever. I just feel like we're all lifting each other up、um, together. I listen to a lot of comedians' podcasts, and I love listening to their stories of back when they were 19 and 20 years old. And it's like these super super famous comedians that you know now, but back then none of them were. Famous, and they're just trying to get five minutes of time, you know, in a club in Los Angeles or New York. And I love that. Like some of these comedians have been friends for twenty, thirty years, and so I hope that that's what's going to happen with Gina and I doing stand-up comedy and us doing this podcast. Of some of these friends that we have, I, I hope we have them for the next thirty years. Not everyone, of course. You know, some people they're on our show because they want to promote something, which is fine. But other ones, they're just as interested in us as we are, you know, as them. And so that's pretty cool that when we have these friendships develop, so it's nice. Yeah, so that's another reason to pursue a passion. 
Mm. Because you took a class or something, you're going to be surrounded with people mm. that also want that. So you could have a community of people that have your passion. So even if you can't afford to do it professionally, it would just give you so much joy to have a community that's doing yeah. what you want to do. I mean, I don't care if it's bowling or drawing or singing or woodwork or whatever your passion is just to be in a community of other people that love it. Literally, if you're so busy and you can't get out and meet them, at least join a Facebook group or something that shares that passion. So at least you can have be communication with people doing that. I think we're so isolated for so long with COVID. People got really um, yeah. depressed and sad. And so there's ways to kind of keep connected a little bit, even if you're stuck inside. And also that is going to help to address those that loneliness, you know, I don't know those kind of social issues. I'm trying to avoid that. So that's why I'm starting preparing from now on. Yeah, you know, to make more <laughs> friends. <laughs> yeah, so, but I think that's so true. Hobbies, passions, you still need a little bit like outlet to connect yes. people, right? Yeah, but by no means will be easy to build any connection. I mean, the human connection is absolutely uh, rocky science. Yeah, it's not easy at all. But at least you make some efforts. Always gonna end up one or two friends, right? Not asking too many. <laughs> this takes time to later. So I ask this question so many times. I still feel like the community, the support network help us along the And it always comes back and helps you. Like, it's so weird. Like complete strangers have reached out to me. When I was writing the books, I was, I didn't really know anything about promoting a book. And so I listened to this guy named Dave Chesson and this other woman, her name is Laura Peterson. They were 100% committed to helping indie authors understand Amazon tips to get free press, how to use keywords. I mean, they they had hours and hours of videos that I would just study. And so then when the books both became bestsellers, I reached out to them. I was like, you know, thank you so much for all of this support. And you know, this is what helped me the most. And, you know, this was so tricky with Amazon and the keywords and Amazon advertising is this whole beast. And I didn't know it at the time, but they, so both of them reached back out to me and they're like, oh, would you like to be on my podcast? And I was like, what? And, and so I know it sounds crazy, but like for Dave Chesson and Laura, I did their podcast and it was, we were talking about doing some untraditional things for, for book marketing and, and how it worked and stuff like that. And from that one, those two, well, those two podcasts, but particularly particularly Dave Chesson, people reach out to me like, I heard you as a guest on Dave Chesson. Would you be on my podcast? Or they would reach out to me and they'd say, I heard your, can I ask you a few questions about writing a book? It is kind of daunting. You could write the greatest book in the world, but if you don't know how to market it, it's really, really hard to sell a book. And it's very expensive to do marketing with a little, you know, your return on investment is so small. And so like recently, I'm so happy this happened. One of my girlfriends, she reached out to me over a year ago and was asking questions about writing a book and marketing a book. And we had this hour long conversation where I was like, do this, do this, do this. And then she reached back out to me and here she had got picked up by like Simon and Schuster Penguin. Like she had got picked up by a big publishing house. And then she's like, I want my first appearance to be on In the Burbs. Like, you know what I mean? Like it always comes back to bless mm. you. Mm. If you, I feel like it does. And in such a weird way, I'm like, I did that day Chesson video in 2018 and people still reach out to me like, oh, I heard your podcast on Dave Chesson. So, or like me here, you know, you sent me Mickey's podcast. I was like, oh, I, I'm going to reach out to this woman. I So I think that's what it's all about is you just said it. Life is about trying to connect with others that you want to learn from or you just appreciate or whatever. And I've been so lucky to have that. It wasn't something that I would thought would happen.
would happen, but it's just like, oh my gosh, if, if I helped you in any way, get your book out or get your message out or give you the tools that you need to do that, then that's helpful. And I'm sure people do that for you with the podcast. It's like, how do you get a podcast going? You know, now you're an expert on that. It's like, they want help. I'm sure you would help them. <laughs> yes. This dynamic, you know, which is like mutually supportive to each other Yeah, because you needed those people. It's like chair leaders, right? I said like this whole passion pressure journey can be getting really lonely. And yes. uh, I told you, I really value this connection on the authentic and personal level. So that's like a foundation of this whole connection. And then of yeah. course you want to help that person when the connection is built. You know, that help can be in a marketing promotional way. When the foundation is genuine, then you just wanted to do whatever you can you know, to help them people. This is just no any strings attached. This connection actually is not easy to be built, but you are always generous to offer help first. You never expect to gain something. You always think about what I can offer to others. And then your generosity, people recognize that when it comes to the right time, of course they wanted to get back. So absolutely. I think that's nice. That's definitely a perk. Yeah. It feels good if someone asks you to help or, hey, could you post this or could you, could I be on your podcast or whatever? It's like 90% of the time it's normally, yes. You know, there's 10% where it's not a good fit, but 90% of the time it's like, okay, sure, sure. You know? Yeah. I think sometimes like when you get the rejection, it may not necessarily say, you know, not being genuine or I think it's probably just a matter of the- Yeah. It can be their schedules filled up. You know, I mean, how is someone going to be mean when you're like, I really like your work? You know, it's like, no, you know, that's, that would be a strange response. I guess if you get that, it's like, wow, that person's got a lot of issues, but we're very lucky. You know, you're lucky and I'm lucky. It's like, if you take an interest in someone, normally yeah. they're like, Hey, you know, even, um, oh my gosh, I love this book, Grace. It's, um, a gentleman in Moscow. Have you read that book? A gentleman in Moscow. It's by Amora Tolls and it was the number one bestseller. And, um, another, I love these three books out right now. And I love him so much. It's like reading Tolstoy. Like that's a gentleman in Moscow. The way it's written is like this beautiful Russian literature, even though he's not Russian, it's not in Russian. He's New York city hedge fund guy that retired and started writing books. So anyway, real fast, I reached out to him and I was like, I cannot tell you how much I love your books. I think it reads like Tolstoy. I think you're one of the greats. I love it. It's poetry, reading it. It's not poetry, but that's how beautiful his sentences are. And I was like, please come on my podcast, please. He said, I can't, I'm in the middle of a press tour, a big press tour. And he's on the Today Show and probably Oprah. And he's like, but reach out to me in the fall and I'll see if I can do it in the fall. So sometimes it's no, but it's just no right now. You don't oh, yeah. reach out late. And yeah. then Gina, my coworker, she was just in um on vacation and one of her favorite art um uh, Mary Kay Andrews, like super, super famous writer was doing a book signing and she went up there and she's pitched her. You've got to come. And she did. So she's coming on the show. So it's like, you know, it's like, sometimes they say no, or sometimes they say mm. no, not right now. So it's still fun to just reach out to somebody and tell them you love their work. That's you the know? attitude, you know, that's the attitude. Yeah. When well, you got a rejection, no. it's still fun. And also be persevering. Yeah. Be right. transparency, place long way. 
if I really take interest in this person, I will keep harassing you. I mean, not like regularly, yeah. but like once a year, yeah. right? <laughs> not right. Not too much burying, but I still be persevering because this is another big lesson you have to learn, like rejection. Yeah. Well, sometimes, sometimes it's not them. Sometimes it's their publicist, you know, issue or whatever. And then sometimes they're mean. Like, I won't say who it was, but she was a very, I really kind of idolized her. She was a famous Southern I writer. I mean, it after that. I will tell you, I, I, I have my time for it. So, um, and she's really funny. And I reached out to her and she said, yes. And then, you know how we do, you know, just like you and I did, we did a sound check. Our producer reached out to do a sound check with her. And she was so mean, so nasty to our little sound check girl, Ashley, that's like all of like 23 years old, the sweet angel woman. And so I told Ashley, I said, cancel her. And she's like, Amy, she's famous. She'll be a big draw. I was like, I don't want her on the show. And so we canceled her. And that felt good too. That felt good. Like you're not going to be. And then she didn't understand why we canceled her. So she kept emailing me like, I don't understand, you know, blah, 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 blah. I never told her, but I knew that she knew, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just kept saying, it seems like you were really upset with our producer doing the sound check. And she was being so mean, like, I don't know why I have to do this. And I'm busy and I don't have time to mess with you, you know, stuff like that. So stuff like that. It's just like, we have a new rule. We're like, no assholes on set, you know, (laughs) we're not going to work with any jerks. And, um, that was good too. Like you, I don't know. I think you set up all the ground room from the beginning. No, I saw on the side because that was the guy. Not, I would do the same. You do. Yeah. I think life, yeah, life is too short to waste the time with mean people. I mean, we are talking about something which is so visible, you know, the way you treat the people, right? You know, we are like the manner things. I'm not talking about any kind of the big value thing or, you know, that level. I'm just talking about the basic respect and you should give to it. I know. It's shocking to me. And like, even though I only do indie movies, I mean, that's it so far that I've got to do because I'm not an actress. I'm not even a good actress. I just memorize the lines and show up. But just because I do memorize the lines, I do show up on time. I just want to learn everything I can about it. You know, if it's downtime, I'm like, how'd you learn how to do this, you know, videography or what are you doing over there? What are you doing marking this up? What does that mean? And taking an interest in everyone and just being polite, right? Like, mm-hmm. please and thank you. Mm-hmm. It's like, lo and behold, the next time that group does a movie, they're like, hey, me, do you want to part in this movie? Mm-hmm. I can promise you it's not because I'm a good actor. I'm not. It's because I'm easy to work with. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That goes a long way just to have someone that's like easy to work with. Like I went to a set recently. One of the stars was 30 minutes late and it's like this expensive equipment, very expensive to be on a film set, very expensive. And to have someone be late, it's like how inconsiderate, (laughs) but you know, it is what it is. But anyway, anyone who's interested in being in the film business, if you just go and you're pleasant and you're on time, <laughs> yes. lines, they might ask you back just because like, yes. oh, that person's easy to work with. You made it, you know, you made it this, this industry kind of like they set up really, really low standard. You know, the bar is so low because of those arrogance. <laughs> bar get. is lower than you know. Just <laughs> show up on time, know your lines and be polite. That's really all you have to do. Yeah, so I think the point you know here is like yes you are famous because of your talents but don't forget about the, the basic like right i mean they weren't always famous don't they remember someone 
showed kindness to them. It's just always shocking to me. Like you hear about these actors being so terrible. I'm like, why do people work with them? Why? There's so many talented people in the world. Why work with that person that's so mean? But I guess, you know, obviously if they're making millions of dollars for the studio, they're going to still work with them. But I'm like, gosh, it just makes the set so miserable. I think there's always those honey successful, who is also the best character in the show. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, probably more so. There's probably more nice people than not, I bet. Hope. Yeah, appreciate it though. Because they're probably so grateful to be there. Yeah, I want to believe that too. I want to believe that. And I do hear that a lot. People are like, oh my gosh, this one guy recently worked with um, John Travolta and he's like, he was so nice. And, you know, he'd work with Jennifer Aniston. And she's like, she was cool. So I love hearing those stories of people. They're like, they just hung out with us and, you know, drank whatever. It was, it was, you're right. You're right. You're right. More people are probably nice than not nice. Yes. And the, you are going to be the, the kindest celebrity. So I can say that. Yeah, for sure. Please stay who you are, you know. I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't want to be famous. I just want to be rich. I'm just kidding. I got it. Yes, yes. (laughs) I think it comes together. Yes, so, yeah. (laughs) Okay, oh my God. I mean, this is such a, I know there was um, so much sharing and we are comes almost the end of it. And of course, I want to keep the conversation, but I don't want to. No, you can't have a five-hour podcast. Yeah, (laughs) overkill, you know. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, yes, I want to ask this question about the zone state because last day when we chat about the zone, like you're talking about enter into that zone in the writing and I feel like this is just like the magic word and I wanted everyone to find their own zone so could you spare one more minute sharing your zone with us it's just even caring about it I guarantee you you will have that adrenaline going up you go ahead yeah and I think that that's kind of how you know you're on to something right like you doing this podcast and all of a sudden it's two hours and it feels like 15 minutes or when I'm writing writing, depending on what I'm writing, like I love I research. don't feel really be sleepy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like um, one of my girlfriends described it, Marjorie, when she was writing her book, she's like, that's the closest I've ever felt to God. And so even if you don't believe in God, it's like, I think if you talk to a lot of musicians or artists when they're writing or they're working, they're literally in this zone that sometimes you go back and you read something or if you're position, you listen to something and you're like, I wrote that or I sang that because you are just kind of overtaken. And it's so, that seems so funny because I don't write novels. You know, I write jokes and I write, you know, a funny memoir, but I'm telling you, even now when I go back and look up something in one of my books and I read it and I was like, I don't even remember writing that because you're just in this, I became obsessed with it. I'm not recommending that, but I did come obsessed with writing the book and I would think of something funny at three in the morning and I would get up and next thing you know, and, um, you know, you might write 15 hours a day. It just, and then maybe you put it down for a couple of days and you just don't have anything. And then it, it comes kind of in waves. And so I think um, you talk to a lot of creative people and I bet they say something similar. That's kind of how, you know, you're in something that you really have passion for. It just kind of like time goes away and you just I'm escape into this moment. And it's, it's just like such a great 
experience. It's the most amazing experience. Yeah, as you said, that's just like the true passion. And the thing is, the outcome may not be so straightforward. I mean, like say you are ready. Right, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but that mm-hmm. means like you have a like whole book finished. Yeah, so sometimes you're like right. you're in that zone for so many hours, like say the motivation, they spend hours, 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 probably just editing something that, you know, people outside industry couldn't tell the difference, you know, only the insider may tell. But they are just like so committed just to modify that need to any part in that zone sometimes the outcome it becomes that byproduct but of course you know if you are committed to that level to that extent i think what is coming off is definitely going to be very good as well yeah so Thank you for sharing this zone status because I just want to send the message out. I want everyone to find their zone. That means they find the passion, right? Trust me, that's the best feeling ever. Yeah. And, uh, for sure. I think it happens to everyone, musicians or even stand-up comedy. I'm so nervous. I feel like I'm going to throw up all the way up there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then when you get up there, it's just something comes over you. That kind of zone is like your adrenaline. Like you're just like so almost like an out-of-body experience when you're out there and people are laughing. It is so magical that that it's almost an addiction. I think a lot of stand-up comics, it's an addiction to get up there and have that connection. You know, you're telling a story and they're laughing. That means they're connecting to you. And um, I mean, how many times do you get to do that in such a big setting? So that's probably why I keep doing that because I love that connection. Absolutely. Yeah. So now this tapping into this podcast question, I'm always asked about ideal lifestyle because this is life designer podcast. Yeah. I really wanted to know like that ideal lifestyle you design for yourself or you're already actually living it right now and this very moment. At first, if you would ask me five years ago, what my goal was, it would be like, I have to have a film made in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I have to do it. It's my obsession. Well, you know, I got my film picked up by a producer and we got Hollywood money. And then Alyssa Milano, I'm not making this up. Alyssa Milano started the hashtag boycott Georgia film and I lost my money. And so I had it in my hand and then I lost it. Like we were casting, you know, having conversations about who should we cast in this film? Mm-hmm. And she started that and To be honest with you, it didn't impact Marvel. Marvel's making movies all the time right here in Georgia. It didn't, so many movies are made in Georgia, big movies. But what it did is it yanked all the money from Hollywood, from independent filmmakers. And so it's like, she said that, and I know that she was trying to bring awareness to reproduction rights, but the fact is it caused so many women writers and directors and actors not to have work when she said that. So it, that was upsetting. So then the project sat for a while. Then it got picked up again by a different producer. And she's like, hey, can you turn this feature film to, into a dramedy, like a series? And I was like, okay. So I did that. And, you know, she's one, I feel extremely fortunate to have representation. You can't really sell a, mo- a movie or a product. I mean, I, I, you can't just go to United Talent Agency or go to Walt Disney and be like, hi, I'd like you to make my film. You have to have res- representation. So, and by the way, that lawyer that told me I was a nothing, he's my lawyer. It all worked out. Like after, you know what I mean? Like he gave me good advice. It seemed like mean advice at the time, but really it was good advice. Go out, write a book, do a blog, get some press 
guess. So when people look you up, they know who you are. So um, anyway, the point is, I don't know if I'm going to sell that or not, Grace. I don't know. We've been to the table of NBC. We've been to the table at Hulu. We have a meeting with Sony. There's some producers at United Talent Agency that are reading my script. It might get picked up. It might not. But to do it over again, even if it doesn't get picked up, I've been on this creative journey now for several years mm-hmm. and done stuff that I never dreamed I would do. I never thought I would be in a movie. I never thought I would do a TED Talk. I never thought I would have a television show. None of that. And so it's kind of like, even if I don't get that one goal that I want is like, I just want to be a writer mm. on a sitcom and something mm. funny. You know, even if it's not my own project, I just want to be invited to the table to be a comedy writer at somebody's table. Yeah. Um, even if that dream doesn't come true, it's like, I've had a lot of fun doing a lot of interesting things that most people never get to do. So if somebody's out there and they're like, I'm not going to be happy unless I have a New York Times bestselling book. I'm not going to be happy unless I have that. I think that's sad because in the process of pursuing that journey, you're probably going to have a lot of little wins that you need to celebrate. And you're going to meet a lot of interesting people and you're going to do good work. And it doesn't mean that your work is not phenomenal. There's Mm -hmm. some phenomenal books out there that nobody knows about. They're still in drawers Mm -hmm. or they're slapped. You know, somebody put them up on Amazon and they don't know how to market it. So they haven't sold any books. So um, some of it is just the knowing that you put in the effort and you did the work and you had the best intentions. Sometimes that has to be good enough. So, but I do think sometimes as creatives, we have this, like, I want my podcast to be successful. Like Joe Rogan, I want 12 million followers, you know, and that may or may not happen for me, but guess what? Joe Rogan started out with a hundred followers and then he got 200 followers. Like he started out the bottom two. So part of it is just that journey of Mm -hmm. doing something that you love. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you, you know, you're going to fail and, t- you know, hopefully tweak it along the way. But anyway, I hope that helps someone because I think sometimes we just hold on to something. If I had this thing, mm-hmm. I would be happy. Mm-hmm. But the truth is you probably wouldn't be because it's not about a thing or it's not about money or it's not about yeah one particular award or whatever. It's really about, I think it's about the journey of it's getting the process. There. It's the struggle in the process. Exactly. Mm. You know what? I'm going to, because I already recorded, but I'm going to go back to just listen to this last part over again and again, like a reminder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's about the journey. It's, it's about, about the journey. The journey. It's, about it's about my journey. heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To some point, you really have to have that strong conviction about what are you doing. Like you're aiming at the break into that writing room and you will. But meanwhile, as you said, it's about the journey. You just really, really have to trust that process, right? And enjoy it every minute of it. I mean, if the end goal is about success money, I think it makes things so much easier, to be honest. In the other way, I think it's we're blessed to really say something through to the goal, to the meaning, to the purpose of everything. So that's how make everything become so sustainable and consistent. You know, we're lucky not being just so tied with all those things, money, fame, success. Because honestly, yeah. if you aim is those things, at least it's a tangible goal. So you know, if you want to earn money, there is business the way to get there. But I don't think as you said you will be just happy forever yeah yeah so it's good yeah sometimes there's some unfinished goal or is something we haven't achieved yet that's keep us moving and also 
you see this as a process. It's the journey last destinations. That's how every single day we all gather that motivation to wake up. Yeah, to start a hope brand new day. And you are so right doing this journey. So much encounters, right? Meeting so many different people. And then you keep unlock your potentials. You know, yeah. And <laughs> so end of that, when you finally get there, yeah, you will handle the success well. Yeah. Sometimes you need to cope with success as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> because it becomes so overwhelming. But of course, I haven't tasted it yet. So I don't know <laughs> how overwhelmed it is. <laughs> <laughs> Not at that level. Not at that level. <laughs> Wait, go I mean, that would be the dream, right? That would be yeah. the dream to be in a writer's room yes. where people do have some experience and they have struggled and that they are grateful to be there. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. is, I don't know if you know, Tom Holland, he's this sweet little actor my daughters are in love with. And he's like the new Superman or Spider, no, he's Spider-Man or somebody grace. Like he's this cute British actor. And I saw an interview with him and he was talking about, I think he was on a Marvel film. Uh, I think that's owned by Sony or something. Thing. And he goes, I mean, I just want to tell the people at Marvel and Sony, like every day going to work was so fun. It was so cool. Like, I just love it. And it's like, even though he's so young, how grateful it was so nice to see. He was a young, really cute kid that like, it was so refreshing to be, to have him just so excited about life. He's just like, I just love coming in here every day. I love it. And um, <laughs> you know, it's just... <laughs> I told you last time, you just belong to that red hero. You got the face, Tilafe's face, the look, <laughs> the important story sounds superficial, but very crucial. <laughs> yeah. And the talents, work ethics, and all these qualities. I mean, being humble, the gratitude, it just carries through this entire conversation. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and this has been so fun. Oh. Thank you so much. But I always have this uh, last question. Like, oh, this, sure, sure. Last question. <laughs> I keep saying this last question. I know. But this is the last one. Yeah. Okay. I think you will like this question. So I adopted the last question from my all-time favorite podcast, The Second Life, with Henry Kerr. So if you go back to the time, speak to younger Amy, like a mentor, what life or career advice would you give to her? Um if I had to go back to my younger self, I would say, follow your passion. You know, like my parents were like, be a business major. You know, you have to work and be a business person. And I'm not saying I didn't enjoy being a business person and being a salesperson and being a corporate trainer. I learned a lot. I met interesting people. It was exciting, fast paced industry, but I, that's not what I wanted to do. Like, I really wish I would have created, you know, followed the creative side, maybe like a journalism major or even like groundlings. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Groundlings is like an improv group that, you know, all these comedians or a lot of people from Saturday Night Live, they were part of this group that did improv. It just honed your, honed your skills. You know, in hindsight, I grew up in a small town. I didn't even know that was available. And my parents discouraged me from doing anything like you'll never, you know, a journalist, you know, that's like one in a million. You'll, you'll never be able to do that. Or a comedian, you never be able to do that. And, but the truth is it's like, like that's the time to do that when you're young and you don't make any money and you don't need a lot of money and you just scrape by. Maybe you're a waiter or whatever, and you're living in an apartment with a bunch of other comedians or a bunch of other actors and you're helping each other out. That would be my advice to myself is like, really follow your dreams now, follow them now. And 
okay, maybe you're not going to make a lot of money at first. Maybe you'll fail, but at least you're doing something that you're going after. And I actually, I recently listened to Molly Shannon. She had a book and I was listening to the audio book. I remember she stated, she's like, gosh, all my friends had these real jobs and, you know, some of them are getting married. And she just felt like, you know, she was a waiter in Los Angeles, not getting really any interviews, not getting auditions, not getting any parts. And she's like, oh, this is bad. But then she's like, there's truth and honesty and value in just pursuing your dreams. There's still value in that. Even if she would have never made it, it's, there's still value that she's like, I did that for five years. I waited tables and I tried to get auditions. So I don't know. I guess that's what I would say to myself is 100% pursue your dreams at a younger age. I didn't do any of that till I was almost, I was like 40 years old. And before I even mm-hmm. did anything creative in my life at all. So, um, yeah, I feel the same. I so much wish this conversation happened like 20 years ago. <laughs> but there's no way to look back. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. I think whoever <laughs> listened to this, this story is absolutely a blessing. It's such big inspiration. And uh, they're so lucky. Mm, yes, Good. There. And then still, like we said, though, even if let's say you had parents like, or you had an ambition, like I want to make money or whatever, but you still have this, you're like, oh, I wish I would have written a book or, oh, I wish I'd play music. It's never too late. I mean, that's, that's a good message that we have too. It's like later, a little bit later in life, we started doing things that gave us just joy. You know, luckily uh, some of them turn out to be financially good or at least have enough to survive. And so that's good. So, you know, if you can start early, start early. But if it's still a dream of yours, start now, just do it on the weekends or or take a class or do an online course or do something (laughs) because otherwise your life is just like life is so fast. And it's to have nothing in your week that you're passionate about would be, um, would be a sad, a sad week. You know, listen to your story really shows me you can own creative life yourself and um, through a lot of life hurdles and fears you still can become a person who is so grounded stay grateful and humble joyful person yeah i want to be like you anyway one day. <laughs> yeah i want to be a person like you thank you, thank you. Um, that's it thank you so much for coming to my podcast i'm so much enjoyed it thank you so much thank it's you so- for having me thank you very much